You're listening to Go Rodeo. Keep an ear out for us. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Dispatches. I'm Morgan Gibbons, a storyteller and performer in Washington, D.C. Every two weeks, I'm going to bring you a story that explores the countless moments and connections we all share. Moments that often go untold because they might not fit who we are, who we believe ourselves to be, or where we think we're going. These stories will last no more than 15 minutes. Our story this week is called Light. I couldn't remember the last time my back had hurt this much, had throbbed with an ever-increasing crescendo of pain that brought the air through my teeth in a whistling hiss with every inhale. Grunting, I pulled myself erect, stretching my spine until I sat rigidly straight on the bar stool, wrestling with the weight of stress that had nestled its way into the muscles of my lower back ran fingers along each inflamed fiber, tripping over nerve endings, strumming on the tender vertebrae a hopsichord of tense pressure that had been my constant companion over the last two days. Days that had seen me traveling the winding woods of West Virginia for work, had seen me followed by white men, their gun waving haphazardly in the air as the bumper of their car came close enough to mine for the two to nearly share a mechanical kiss before they'd finally decided I wasn't worth following any longer. Though it took my heart, pounding rapidly away within the confines of my chest far longer to give up the chase. It jolted and slowed, sped up in anticipation as it attempted to keep pace with the mental anxiety that rebounded within my mind. The never-ending torrent of what-ifs, a charybdis of swirling possibilities. What if they shot at you? What if you were dumb enough to call the police? What if they're still following you, even now? Each thought spinning down until they began picking the locks of my worst fears, teasing them gently open to lay their bounty upon my mental buffet. I had spent those days in West Virginia, and now, now I sat safely within the confines of Washington, D.C., idly tilting a glass that held a moderately priced whiskey, watching the amber liquid creep up one side before a soft tilting sent it lopping the other way. My mind still did not accept the changed environment, my eyes darting quickly to the door and back in case someone sidled in with lightning bolt tattoos, the number 88 stamped conspicuously inconspicuous on the back of a hand in case I needed to leave. Lifted the glass to my lips, felt the liquor burn its way down hoping it would make a numbing detour to my lower back, needing it to relax and lift the death grip it had placed on my spine the moment the men had shouted from their window, Turn that nigger music down! I couldn't help the tiny smile that flickered across my face, remembering as I yelled back, It's NPR, you fucking moron! My mother had not raised me to be silent. But as my back continued screaming, I wished for a moment that it would be. Fingers reflexed, relaxed, and the glass clattered to the wooden top, catching the bartender's eye as he moved to pour a refill, his hand hanging hesitantly over the rim, and I nodded, pinched the bridge of my nose, 
pulled the now-filled glass back towards me. Rough day at work? For a moment, I wasn't quite sure he was speaking to me, but he was. Leaning forward so his forearms rested atop the bar, thumbs dancing with one another amidst interlocked fingers as he waited for my reply. At ease in this place. <laughs> nah, not today. A couple days ago, sure. A few days ago? You walked in here like someone just drop-kicked you in the neck. I laughed at that. Couldn't stop the chortle that flew from my mouth. <laughs> Chill out, man. Alright, okay, so what happened? I glanced up from my glass. Caught his hazel eyes, flecks of gold spinning from their center. Scanned the bar. It was still relatively empty. Happy hour wouldn't start in earnest for at least another half hour. Realized he must have been pretty bored and told him the entire story. Finished with, but that's just life if you're black. He stayed silent, worried at his lower lip, his face drawn, brows tight over narrowed eyes as he stared at me. I knew that face. Had seen it countless times when I had spoken of racism, of an incident, a glance, or things more overt. It had flashed across the faces of hundreds of others as they struggled to find a way to acknowledge what I said. Maybe even question it. Out of their depths in an arena where they were still amateurs. Never having quite learned how to navigate the murky waters. How to swim without drowning. Wow. That's, uh, that's rough. That's America, man. I drained my glass felt the warmth in the pit of my stomach, the pain in my back beginning to recede, hidden behind the alcohol, silently waiting to reassert itself. I'll take one more and, uh, and then the check. Sure, but this one's on me, though. He filled my empty glass once more, a heavy pour. The least I can do. But, you know, they should do something about those people. I mean, look at me. I'm a white guy, right? Uh, I had assumed so, but I'm not like those white people. I mean, those people are animals, straight up animals. Isn't there a way to keep like track of them? You know what? We should have some kind of system where we can track them and like control where they go, what they do, and if they mess up, just ship them out. My hand froze halfway to my mouth. The whiskey hovered mere millimeters from my lips, seemingly weightless. You want, you want to track them? Yeah, why not? He continued, clearly warming to the idea. It can be like, tag a racist. The government can easily set something like that up. And the way people fall for anything nowadays, you get somebody that speaks with passion, really means it. Oh, man, we could literally, like, herd them together and just get designated watchers that always keep an eye on them. You know it's a good idea, dude. They'd never be able to terrorize anyone again. Problem solved. He snapped his fingers then, pleased with himself, a grin beginning to work its way across his features. Um, that's actually an awful idea. His grin faltered, 
slipped from his face. All I'm saying is, it definitely worked. He saw the ever-deepening frown on my face, sought to soften his stance. I'm joking, bro. I'm just joking. I pulled my credit card from my wallet, slid it across the bar top. I think I'm ready to go, but um, thanks for the drinks. He stared down at my card, raked a hand through his loose, dark curls, pushed it back towards me. Actually, uh, hold tabs on me today. Awesome. Thank you. I slid from the stool, wallet once again in my pocket, grabbed my leather satchel, began heading towards the door. Just think about it, though. Who's to say it couldn't work? I'm not saying it couldn't, I toss back over my shoulder. But history is littered with all the reasons it shouldn't. Push the door open, stepped out into the sunshine, into warmth, into light. Thank you all for tuning in to this week's episode of Dispatches. I'll be back soon with another story for all of you. While you wait, you can read some of my other writings at medium.com forward slash at district dispatches. These are stories written about beautiful moments I still want to share because stories truly happen everywhere, no matter how small a moment may seem. Oh, and uh, it'd mean a lot if you could open your podcast app and leave a review. It helps other people find dispatches and it helps other people hear these stories. Dispatches is part of the Goat Rodeo Podcast Network. Check out GoatRodeoDC.com to learn more about the network and all of the other podcasts it hosts, like Failure, Your Story Here, Between the Liner Notes, and the Goat Rodeo Variety Hour. Until then, be well and know that stories are all around you. This episode was produced by Ian Enright, and the music was provided by Ryan Little.